you're my family as well. <laughs> Thank you, Kofo. Thank you. So today is the book of Philippians. <laughs> Excellent. So, you know, sometimes I wish, I wish I was bolder or more confident. I wish that, you know, sometimes that I stepped out more when opportunities presented themselves. You know, sometimes I find it really hard to, to do those things. And, and I can look back on my life and I think to myself, you know, how much more would I have I achieved if, um, you know, if I wasn't scared about what people thought of me or, you know, things like that. There's things that that can hold me back in my life, things that, that can stop me from pursuing the things of God. And, you know, and I believe that God takes us on this journey where, you know, we get to that place. We get to that place where we realize that actually we can achieve and attain so much more in God than what we could do in ourselves and by ourselves. You know, the potential that every single one of us has in this room is absolutely enormous. That we can, we can change something for eternity. That with it, that God's plan and purpose for our lives is that we have, a, you know, to take part in, in something that he's doing and it's going to affect all of eternity. That's God's plan and purpose for each of our lives. You know, there will come a time when we will see that nothing else really matters than imitating the life and love of Jesus Christ. And as we do, as we do imitate Jesus, as we do imitate the way he lived his life, the way he loved, we will find ourselves participating in the story of Jesus you know, what circumstances do you find yourself in today? You know, what is it that's that in your life right now that you're, that's challenging you to live out your Christian life? Do you have questions about, you know, what is it? What and how on earth am I supposed to live this life as a Christian with all the things that are going on around me and the, the struggles that I can face and the things that, that can come in my way? How do I live this Christian life? All the things and the expectations, maybe, you know, maybe at work or home or, you know, in different circumstances, you find that that um, you have to be a certain kind of person or say the certain kind of things just to, to fit in or to feel like you belong. And, and so this tension of how do we live a radical Christian life can be something that can be really, really hard and really tough. You know, maybe there has been regrets. And, you know, I can look back and I can think of, regrets and things that I wish that I had done. I wish I hadn't compromised in certain situations. I wish that, that when this situation came up that, that actually I'm, I stood for this and I stood for that and, and I can look back and think, what on earth was that about? Now, Paul's letter to the Philippians was a really encouraging letter to them. And it was written by Paul with, with Timothy as well that to encourage the Christians to keep on going, to keep on pursuing this Christian life. Don't give up. There's so much more for us. 
You know, the Christians in Philippi were walking their, out their faith in a really, really hostile situation. It was amidst of um, adversity and persecution and, and all of that. And it was a really, really tough time for the Philippians. And it's in this context that Paul writes to the Philippians, saying to them, look to Jesus as our example. Look to Jesus. Even in all the suffering and all the difficulties, look to Jesus. Because when we look to Jesus, at how he lives, we see somebody. We see somebody who lived a life of persecution. He lived a life of struggles and difficulties that kept coming his way. But he still loved He still lived with humility. He still laid down his life. He was still someone who who served and was gracious and kind. And as we look at the book of Philippians today, ask the Holy Spirit to answer some of your questions that you might have today. Because we all probably have different questions about how do we live this life? How do we live through these circumstances? Ask the Holy Spirit to, to speak to you and to, and to show you what it is to, to live this life, no matter what the risk is, no matter what temptations you face. How do we live this life? I'm just going to just pray just a moment. Father, I just want to just ask you to help us today, Lord, that, that your, your word will speak into our heart, Lord God, that we, Lord God, want to be transformed by your love and by your grace, that, God, you are so wonderful and so amazing. And so, Lord, we just give ourselves to you, Lord God, and we just say, Lord, have your way with, your, with what you, you're going to say to us today, Lord Jesus. Thank you. So the church in Philippi were the first community that um, Paul established when he, he started talking about Jesus. And um, Philippi is um, a Roman colony, a capital city in Macedonia. And it is under political control of the Rome, the Romans. And a lot of the Roman soldiers would retire there. And so the influence of Romans was really, really, really strong there. They were really loyal to Rome. And when Paul was there, he faced so much resistance in announcing that Jesus is the king of the world. Because the Romans believed that Caesar was the king of the world. And actually, it causes a lot of problems when, we, when they said, no, it isn't. It's actually Jesus. Jesus is the king of the world. And after Paul moved from there, so this letter is like 14 years later after Paul had gone away from there. And, um, you know, there was a community of believers that continued despite all the suffering, despite all the persecution, the community that that wanted to live their lives Jesus' way was growing in that place. And so in this letter, Paul has arranged a a series of short, reflective accounts that revolves around a poem in chapter 2. And this poem artistically retells the story of Jesus. And we're going to come back to that in a bit. I'm going to look at um, chapter 2 in a minute. 
But Paul uses this poem throughout the book of Philippians, and he refers to it about how do we live this life? How do we live this life in, in the midst of persecution? How do we live when we're faced with difficulties? And he talks about Jesus, about how Jesus did it. And he's trying to say to us, this is how we live our life. We look to Jesus at how he lived his life. And so he starts expressing his um, appreciation to the Philippians um, because at the beginning of the letter, because they sent Epaphroditus to go and take um, Paul a gift while he was in prison. So when you were in prison, it was... um, um, you know, it wasn't unusual to die of like malnutrition or things like that. And so family and friends would have to come and bring you food and clothes to, to take care of you and look after you. And the Philippians sent Epaphroditus to Paul to look after him. So they sent him a gift and off he went. And, and it was, it was Epa- Epaphroditus, sorry. <laughs> It's a mouthful, Epaphroditus. He um, sent Epaphroditus. And when Epaphroditus went there, he was telling Paul about all the struggles and all the difficulties that the Philippians were, were facing and, and what was going on. And, and it was that's when Paul decided, well, you know, I want you to go back to the Philippians, the church in Philippi, and tell them thank you. But also, I want to encourage them. And it's this, this place of being in prison and being persecuted and struggling himself that he sends this letter to the Philippians because he wants them to feel encouraged and to feel built up. Um, so God... Um, so God is using a church in Philippi, and Paul wants to encourage him with that because, because they sent this gift to Paul, um, it meant so much to him. He was so encouraged, so blessed, so blessed by it that he was saying that, you know, that God is going to use them to transform them, that God is doing work in them, that, that it's actually um, going to be so much more beautiful, a much more beautiful expression of his love and faithfulness. And, and so in Philippians um, chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says to the Philippians, says, um, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So Paul said, God is working in you. God is working a mighty work in your life. And we can see that being expressed in your generosity. Your generosity is so amazing that God is going to bless you. God is going to meet your needs. It's such a sacrificial way of, of blessing me that, that you're going to know God with you right now. And I love this verse. I love this verse where it's this verse saying, Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on and complete and and carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Such a beautiful um, verse that we can take hold of and be encouraged by ourselves, that, that God is at work in each of our lives. You know, when we're struggling and finding things hard, when we're, find, when we're making those choices that we regret or we're, we're doing things that we just think, oh God, why did I do that? I let myself down, I let you down. You know, God is still at work in us. You know, we can be confident of the fact that God is not going to give up on any of our lives. No matter what mistakes we make, no matter what is going on, 
God is at work in each of our lives. And we will see the fruit of that as we allow him to shape us and to work in us. Um, And I just love that verse about how, you know, actually we can just look to him. We can just look to him and just rely on him just transforming us and, and having his way in our lives. You know, Paul goes on to encourage the Philippians to rejoice in him. That even though um, Paul is in prison, he is saying, you know, we can rejoice. We can rejoice in the fact that we are going through these struggles and going through the difficulties. And he's finding that actually while he is in prison, this is absolutely an amazing testimony that he wants the Philippians to know because he wants them to be really encouraged that while he is going through a really difficult time, he's there in prison, he's captured and, and all of that, that he's still getting opportunity to share the gospel message. He's still getting opportunity to have powerful encounters with people. So all the like, administrators and the soldiers that, that are keeping him captive, they're all like in inquisitive why you know they know he's there because he's he preaches the gospel and they're all inquisitive and find, thinking you know what is all this about and so he's getting to express um, God in a really meaningful way to them and and he's saying you know it's not only that but other Christians are finding boldness and encouragement by the fact that I'm in prison and um you know, we just can be um, so encouraged, can't we, when we hear each other's testimonies. And I was just reading that bit, and I was thinking, wow, that is so powerful that, that people hearing about how Paul in prison is still getting to manage to, to express his faith in Jesus Christ. And it's giving them the confidence to, to themselves to go and preach the gospel without fear. Now, we are so blessed living in this part of the world at this time. We don't experience persecution when we share our faith. We can share our faith. We can go out there and we can talk to people about the love of God. We can tell people how how much he loves them and how much he's got a purpose for them and how much God has got a plan for them. And we're not going to be captured and put in prison. We're not going to be tortured. We're not going to be, you know, persecuted for it. We're just so, so blessed. The worst thing that can happen is that, you know, people might just ignore us because they think we're a bit strange or a bit odd or, you know, they might mock us or might just tease us a little bit. That's the worst that can happen. But there are Christians in other parts of the world today that are being persecuted for their faith. You know, and these Christians in Philippi, they really, really, really were struggling with the fact that they were being persecuted. You know, I just um, would love to hear stories of times when, um, you know, people stood for righteousness and justice and holiness. And even when it was really, really difficult, and they, you know, it would, be, it would have been so much easier if they would have compromised because there wouldn't have been any risk or, or anything involved. They wouldn't have had to lose face or anything like that. And it would have been so much easier to have done that. But I want to hear the t- testimonies that despite all of that, they stood for righteousness and justice. Because that would really, really encourage me. That when I am faced with a situation, that I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to stand for righteousness and justice here. I am called to be holy and righteous. So I want to hear those stories. I want to hear people tell those stories. I want our young people to be hearing and telling 
telling those stories. I want people who are starting out in the workplace for the first time to hear and tell those stories. I want people who are in positions of influence to be hearing and telling those stories. You know, how powerful that would help us to live out our lives in the name of Jesus, proclaiming him. That would be just so wonderful just to hear those stories and to be encouraged by it. So the Christians were finding boldness to step out as they were encouraged by Paul's imprisonment and his refusal to not stop proclaiming Jesus as the one true king. So as well as saying thank you, um, Paul took this opportunity to, to encourage the Philippians, don't give up, keep on going, keep on pressing on towards the prize. Because in this Roman city, the Christians' walk was really, really tough. Paul talks about his imprisonment in a way that um, makes, when you read it, you think, oh, he's actually quite optimistic here. He's optimistic that he's going to be released, but there is a possibility that he could be executed as well. And in Paul's letter to the Philippians, we see how Paul deals with the possibility of being executed. He seems to think that dying would not actually be that bad. So Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 21, it says this, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For Paul, his life was defined by the life and love of Jesus. Paul was wanting the Philippians to live their life defined by by the life and love of Jesus. We are supposed to take encouragement from that so that our lives, so that when we live our lives, it is defined by the life and love of Jesus. He looks to Jesus' life as one that he should imitate. So Paul's not afraid of being executed because it means that he gets to be with the one who loves him like no other person loves him. He gets to be with the one that makes him whole, that makes him complete, that can fill his life with love, joy, peace, that can give him such completeness. He gets to be with the one who loves him passionately and wants to give him a life in in eternity where there's no more crying, there's no more pain, there's no more sickness, there's no more death. He gets to be with Jesus, the lover of his soul. And if he's released, then it means he gets to plant more Jesus communities, and he gets to serve them, and he gets to express Jesus' love in serving them. And and so he decides, actually, it would be better for him to stay because he can do so much more for Jesus if he's alive. He can see so much more transformation in people's lives. He can actually um, partake with Jesus' story can live out Jesus' story, building something that is going to last for all of eternity. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul is expressing that dying is not actually a sacrifice at all. What is true sacrifice? 
sacrifice is staying alive and serving with love. You know, we too get to participate in the story of Christ when we make our lives about serving with love, living our life with humility and serving with love. We participate in with the life of Christ. To live is Christ. To live is about imitating Christ and his life and his love. And Paul writes this amazing, beautiful poem about Jesus partway through his letter in chapter 2 and what it looks like to be imitators of Jesus. I'm going to go to Philippians 2. So the poem starts in verse 6. I'm going to read it from verse 5. In your relationship with one another... Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that poem, just amazing. I just love this poem. Just describes Jesus as someone who just has no rebellion whatsoever. He's just so wonderful, so amazing how he is God and he laid all of that down. He set aside all of that to come and be with us. You know, Jesus, the very nature of God, did not consider himself equal with God, but came to live beside us to show us how to live our lives. When he was being tortured and when he was being oppressed and all of that, and when he was, like, oh, when he was being nailed to the cross, he could have called down 12 legions of angels to come and rescue him. When he was in the wilderness and he'd been fasting for 40 days, he was really, really hungry, he could have turned the stones into bread. Jesus could have um, wiped out the whole Roman Empire and sat himself on the throne and forced everyone to serve him. But he didn't do any of that. Instead, he humbled himself, he laid down his life because this was the way that we were going to be saved. This was the way that we were going to be made whole. He laid down everything, he gave everything up because of his love and his passion for every single one of us in this room. He wants to have a relationship with us that makes us whole. You know, this poem is so beautiful and it's just a condensed version of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of how Jesus, who is God, how he lived his life, his death, his resurrection and his ascension to glory. It's just such a beautiful picture. I just love that poem and, you know, our hearts can so often 
be in, um, in turmoil, we can be struggling with the fact that we want to be noticed. We want people to see that, that actually we're really good at something. We want to be recognized. We want people to see that actually we deserve much more than this. And, and sometimes we can get upset if we're not given the recognition or the opportunities that we think we're due. We, we can get all defensive if we don't think people are good enough and want to prove ourselves. Yet when we look at Jesus, he didn't get defensive or wipe people out with a bolt of lightning or calling, you know, or calling them out to sort, you know, sort them out. He laid his life down because he wanted to live his life as an example. It was like, live your life like this. This is how you live your life. This is how I want you to live your life. And he was just living his life as an example. Jesus did it so that we could do it, so that we could look to him and follow him as our example. So Paul is reminding the Christians in Philippi that Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior, is the one that we should imitate. He is our example. Now, this is so challenging, so thought-provoking, You know, what would we not be doing now if we were living our life with humility and serving with love? How, what would our mindset be like right now if if we thought to ourselves, do you know what, I'm going to live my life with humility and I'm going to serve people with love? What difference would my life be? You know, this is so thought-provoking. This is so challenging, laying ourselves down to love others like Christ did. It doesn't come naturally, and that's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us. Now, we live in a world where we are constantly told you know, not to be a doormat. You, know, you should stand up for your rights. You know, don't let people walk all over you. Assert yourself. You're going to be amazing. You're going to be successful. And you know, you just, you're the champion. You keep on going. But Jesus, Jesus has shown us a different way that we are to be humble, serving with love, putting others' needs before our own. Now, Jesus gave two examples in his letter of, of two people that, um, that are good examples of living out their life for Jesus. And, and he talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus. And, and he says about Timothy, is like Jesus because he's constantly concerned for the well-being of others more than his own well-being. And Epaphroditus, who the Philippians had sent to, to Paul in prison with a gift, um, ended up risking his life serving Paul. So while Paul was in prison, it became, he almost died because he was trying to serve Paul and look after him. But Paul's point here is saying that you know, these kind of people are living examples of, of imitating Jesus Christ, putting other people before themselves, willing to serve even if it means losing their own life. Now, Paul even uses his own story as an example. You know, and he says that... um, you know, before he met Christ, he had everything. He had everything he could ever work for. He had status, he had recognition, he had authority. He had absolutely everything that he could have ever wanted or desired. And then, so I'd like us just to turn to Philippians 3, verse 8. 
So Paul gave up all the status and privilege that comes with it because he wants to liken himself with Christ. And we see this in verse um, 8 of chapter 3. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Everything that Paul had worked for, everything that he achieved in his life, everything that he now has, everything that he had ever longed for, he considers as garbage, as rubbish, as filth. In fact, apparently, the word that Paul used is much less polite than garbage. And I wouldn't want to speculate what that word might be, but... He has given all up to become a servant like Jesus, to participate in his sufferings and humility and sacrificial love. You see, so often um, we can be so short-sighted. You know, what is so powerful and goes beyond my imagination is that... um, you know, when we walk this path, when we, um, we, we, we want to pursue our life with Jesus, when we want to say, Jesus, I give you my life, I give you my all, we, we kind of thought there's an expect- expectation that our life will be better. And the thing is, it's not always like, I mean, we do get an eternity with Christ. We do get to have a life full of love, joy, and peace, and we, we get all of that. But sometimes we do get suffering. Sometimes we do find things hard. Sometimes we do get sick or, or poorly, or we don't always have the financial provision that we need. And, and we can be so short-sighted, and we can just all we can see is this mess and the situation and the circumstances that is right in front of us. And Paul is encouraging us that actually, when we come to God, that something happens, a miracle happens in our lives. When we look to Jesus, when we're struggling and finding things really difficult and really hard, that when we look to Jesus, we realize something about Jesus. A miracle happens in our life. The miracle is that Jesus takes away our short-sightedness and gives us a perspective that goes beyond our situation, that goes beyond our circumstances. You know, he, it makes no sense at all. It makes no sense at all. We, we, go, we see all this stuff going on around us. We can come to Jesus, and it all kind of like, it just feels different. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, you know, what is going on? Why am I feeling at peace? Why am I feeling, actually, I feel strengthened by him. This is a miracle that happens when we come to him. Participating in Jesus' story is a way of living that goes against every normal human behavior, yet it is the way that we will know complete happiness, joy, and fulfillment. We can go to our Heavenly Father and pray to Him, expressing all our concerns, all our worries, all our struggles, and He meets us right there and fills our hearts with strength and peace. Let's look at Philippians 4, verse 6. It says here, 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We can get ourselves into a right state when we start worrying, when we start being anxious about things. You know, worrying and being anxious is like being short-sighted. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, the mental health issue of anxiousness. You know, I think that's something completely different where, you know, where it affects us um, physically and all of that with the, you know, the people who struggle with mental health, anxiety. And I really believe that God can heal us of that as well. I don't believe that's something that anyone has to live with, like any sickness at all, that God can heal anxiety just as much as any other physical Ill- illness. But the kind of anxiety and worry that I'm talking about is, about is about when we look at our circumstances that we are facing and we, 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 we can go to God with those circumstances and we can talk to God about those things that we are facing. I think it is really, really possible to rejoice in the midst of suffering. And this is what Paul was trying to get us to do. He says, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. You know, you may be suffering, you may be going through difficulties, but you can go to God with your prayers, with your petitions, with your thanksgiving. We can shape our prayers and our thanksgiving and our praise and our worship with the things that we're going through, the worries, the concerns that we have. We can go to him. And you know what? We find a miracle happens in our heart that he fills us with such peace, such joy, such strength, that no matter what we're going through, we can get through this. You know, the sooner we realize that our life is not about us, and about, not about me, not about how I feel, or about my um, being recognized, or people noticing me, soon as I realize that, that my life is about, actually, it's about imitating the life and love of Jesus, that rejoicing the Lord becomes so much more easier you know, taking pleasure in him, even when things are going wrong, is so much easier. And the Holy Spirit comes and helps us with all of that. Now, what would the circumstance that you are in right now look like if your focus was on imitating the life of humility and serving with love? What would your job look like if your focus was not on how your boss treats you or how your colleagues treat you or even the overwhelming amount of work that you've got? If your focus wasn't on those things, but your focus was on imitating Jesus' life of humility and serving with love. What would your relationships be like with your husband, with your wife, with your children, with your parents, if you weren't focused on holding your ground, having your say, I'm in the right here, but instead imitating Christ with humility and serving with love. What would your relationships be like if you were like that? What would your witness be like if your focus was not on what will people think of me? Will I be rejected? Will they mock me? Will they make fun of me or humiliate me? But your focus was was on imitating Jesus' life of humility and serving with love. 
Would your witness look different? Would you actually find the confidence to, to go out there and witness? Now, only you and God can answer those questions in his presence. When you go to him with your prayers and your concerns and your worries, the Holy Spirit will speak into your heart and into your mind and give you the strength and the confidence that you need to live this life. You know, I love that song that we were singing, that the cross is before me, the world is behind me, no turning back, no turning back. No, to live is Christ. To live is imitating the life of Christ. To live is imitating the love of Christ. This is who we are. And as we live out our lives like this, we will make him famous. People will recognize that actually there's something different. You may look odd. You may look peculiar. You may look strange to people. But there will be something so significant and powerful in your life that will bring transformation wherever you go. I'm just going to just pray. Father God, I just want to thank you, God, that you are just so wonderful, amazing. We just love your life. We love the way you lived your life. And Lord God, we want to look to you as our example. We want to imitate you, God. God, we just thank you for everything that you've done for us, everything that you've provided for us. And Lord God, I just want to pray for every single person in this room that whatever circumstances they are facing, whatever struggles that they are finding themselves in, whether it's sickness or finance or job situation, family, whatever it is, God, I just pray that, Lord God, we can just give it all to you. We can set our eyes on you, God, and we can say, God, our focus is on imitating you. That, Lord God, as we imitate you, as we live our lives for you, that you will give us the strength and the peace that we need in everything that we are facing. Thank you, God. Amen.